You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger to anyone. And here are your hosts, Carl Stebbing and Matt Smith. So we're back again, episode number 72, 72 already. of the Plane Talking UK podcast. I'm Carl Stebbings, and joining me in the kitchen studio this week, as always, is my trusty co-host, Matt. Ah, uh-huh, hello. So, Matt, you're sporting rather a nice voice. Oh, I think so, yes. I, I, think, I think it's award-winning, in fact, yes. <laughs> those, of you, those of you who are used to Matt's normal dulcet tones will recognise that Matt has a cold. Yeah, it's all part of the fun, but oh, uh, hey-ho. It makes a change from trying to do it down the line in a, in a coach parked off on a lay-by mm. in, on the outskirts of London. That was a fun challenge, wasn't it? <laughs> I think we just about got away with it. Like, I think what I might do is actually stop mid-sentence, just pause on... A word and exactly. then carry on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was so much fun. I know, I know. You, so, sold, you sold your John very well, I, it has to be said. I, I tell you, you sound, you sound, actually sound quite distinguished. Oh, thank you. Voice. Oh, well, that's lovely. I, I, shall, I shall practice my Queen's English throughout the entire show. Good, good, good. <laughs> we, so, we, so we're here then for episode 72. Indeed. It's the 7th of August and uh, the time is, well... Six o'clock. Bang on. In the yeah, evening. Yes. Uh, it's a Friday. We're recording on a Friday, Friday today. Yes. It's a Friday, yeah. It's a Friday. And uh, Matt's just busily been finishing up on our next batch of React interviews. Yes, yes. Ready for yeah. uh, today's episodes. We're going to play those later. Yeah. Squadron leader Kev Simpson and Lieutenant... Um, uh, was, was it Lieutenant? I can't remember. Ooh, oh, forgotten. God, I've forgotten. I've already have to Google it. Anyway, James Wallace was his was his actual yes. name, but because uh, because he was no, it was Flight Lieutenant. You called him, and it wasn't. Yes. It was actually Lieutenant. Wasn't Lieutenant. It? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. I like to highlight any mistakes you make. Obviously, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why he lets and me in the house plenty. listeners. If I'm honest, I, I make plenty of mistakes. <laughs> That's what we're here for. Indeed. Absolutely. So, uh, oh, I'll tell you what. I've oh, been I've been listening to um, some podcasts this week. Oh, actually, see, I did tell Matt. I was giving some homework yes please co can you listen to a few other podcasts mm, not absolutely. just our one right yes and yes. you did yeah, i've you done some research it. and i have to say so mark maiden if you're listening your your yours was the uh the the choice of poison this this particular week and i have to say um hurry up and do some more frankly because um, yeah we, we miss you mark we do very mm. much so I, I i sort of listened to to three of your episodes now and uh uh, and I was made to listen to the one which Carl was on, obviously. Obviously. <laughs> but uh, no, re- a really good show. And I, I, honestly, I could listen to that man's voice all day. So uh, why aren't you making any more podcasts? Hurry up. I uh, know. <laughs> and I listened to Pilot Pip's latest mm. uh, Oh, yes. Episode. Yes, yes. Yeah, no, that, that's in my to-do list. Yeah. Um, so, and, and for those of you who are regular listeners will know, yes. Pip does a segment on our show. He does. He's having a bit of a break at the moment since we've got the uh, Ria. He is on the show, though, because... Obviously, he was at he, Rio yeah, he's on the yes. show technically. Yeah. Yes, um, but I listened to Pip's latest episode on the plane safety what podcast, and he was talking about uh, fire incidences with aircraft Ooh. and Ooh, what blimey. to do with fires on board and oxygen and and all the different extinguishing type stuff. Things. And that it's, yeah. it was a really good episode. So um, mm. make sure you nip over to iTunes or to mm, uh, www. Yeah plainsafetypodcast.com mm. Actually, before we crack on with the news, we should just say next week we are going to have a go at doing another live episode. Yes, next week we are, and we are going to aim to that, do the show it will on go at, the on 16th. Sunday. 
yeah. of August on a yeah. Sunday. Sunday the 16th of August, and yeah. it'll start at 10.30 in the morning. 10.30, are we? Yeah. Right, yes. I better let the wife know. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, dear. Should we perhaps have... <laughs> Maybe we should have spoken to, to Mrs. Stebbings first, yeah. perhaps. Well, I'll I'll, um, I'll ply yeah. her with wine this evening. Oh, excellent. Well yes. done. Yes, absolutely. Or you can come... Oh, well, we, we could go to the conservatory studio. Well, yeah, we could go to the conservatory studio. Should we do that? Yeah, we'll go Shall to the we conservatory do that? studio. Yes, yeah. All right, we'll leave the wife in peace yes. for, for a she week. might be grateful, frankly. Mm. <laughs> so so yes. we have we have got lots of news to go through. We have, yes, yes. It's been a very been, busy, busy and week. sad, yes. Yeah, busy and sad week with what's been going on mm. in the news. Some new findings and various bits and pieces which have been happening. Yeah. Um, but yes, shall we kick off the show? Yes, yeah, let's, let's. So we're going to start the show then, as we do each week, with our rundown of the weekly news from around the world and the UK. So if you're ready with tissues, Matt... <laughs> I certainly am, yes. Let's go. Let's go. So kicking off this week's uh, first news story, a mm. very sad news story yes. indeed, um, on the BBC News site, this one. Mm. And, no, this, was, uh, this was actually happening, uh, or it happened actually while we were recording, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Very sad. Um, sad news week. indeed of uh, pilot Kevin Wyman, mm. um, who was uh, tragically killed in a crash at uh, the Carfest uh, show in Cheshire. Uh, the pilot of a display team aeroplane um, had, has been killed in a crash at the Carfest motoring event in Cheshire. Kevin Wyman, 39, was flying a Folland Nat aircraft that came down near the event at Alton Park at around uh, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. BBC uh, TV presenter Chris Evans, uh, Carfest's founder, confirmed his death and said that the pilot's family had been informed. A visibly upset Mr Evans delivered a statement saying the display pilot had been killed in a tragic accident and the Heritage Aircraft Trust operator of the uh, NAT display team said in a statement uh, Kevin was a Royal Air Force trained fast jet pilot whose enthusiasm for flying uh, the fallen NAT was infectious. He will be greatly missed by his family, the team and many friends. Kevin leaves a wife and a young daughter. Mr. Wyman, who was born in Chester, is uh, a Cambridge University economics graduate. Uh, he trained with the University Boat Club and coxed uh, Cambridge to victory in 1996 wow. and 1997 boat races against Oxford. He had a career with the Royal Air Force from 1998 to 2001, and when he left uh, for a trading job with a U.S. investment bank in the city of London, he completed his first civilian flying licenses so that he could continue with his passion for flying. BBC producer Justin Bones on the scene at Alton Park said two planes performed a low-level close proximity pass just before the crash. One of the aircraft failed to pull up and crashed north of the circuit, he said. Mr Evans uh, said the event will continue on the advice of the three aviation authorities we are currently involved with as part of the ongoing investigation to what happened. And the police have also advised us that the best thing and safest thing to do is to carry on with the event, bearing in mind there were 10,000 people or 10,000 children here, and that's what we're going to do. Cheshire police say they were working to establish how the accident happened, and eyewitnesses described the horrific spectators screaming as the plane nosedived suddenly. Witness Steve Glunning, who works with uh, aircraft, said it's an air show and it's dangerous. You know these things can happen, but when they happen in front of you, it's shocking. 
We were at Carfest and my partner and I and the two Nats came in five or six minutes doing an individual, uh, individual uh, and pair displays. They did a crossover. One went north and the other, I, said, uh, I saw it jink as it went past the trees. Two or three seconds later, there was a fireball. Instantly, you know that could be fatal. Mm. Anyway, it's a terrible. I mean, there's a video obviously is, published yeah. on um, mm. on YouTube from one of the eyewitnesses. Yeah. And we I should just say this is this is on uh, BBC.co.uk. It's yeah. actually on their news site if you want to follow um, it up. But the so. fallen that is but is what actually you know is one of the aircraft that the uh, Red Arrows used to use yes, many years ago. Yeah. Um, it's quite you know a well-established aircraft. Mm. It's just a shame. It is very this sad. Is, this has happened. Um, but obviously the, the AAIB, the Air Accident Investigations Branch, yeah. uh, here in the UK, are uh, going to obviously investigate um, the crash, and they obviously had a team sent to mm. uh, to the crash site straight away. I mean, part of me is amazed um, that this sort of thing doesn't happen um, more often, frankly, and it's a, a real te- you know testament to, to how skilled these incredible pilots are. Um, and I guess it is, you know, every now and again, something will go wrong, which is, mm. you know, really sad. And, and obviously our, our thoughts go out to, to every, all the families of everyone involved. Yeah, but, he'll be uh, sadly missed from the He will, certainly circuit. from the circuit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Anyway, on to the next story. Uh, this is on the Travel Mole website, and it's my favourite air, uh, airline. I swear you, you look these out for I me. Know. I'm beginning to <laughs> smell a rat here, frankly, Carlos. But anyway, the uh, headline is Ryanair smashes international passenger record. Uh, Ryanair is claiming to have become the first airline ever to carry more than 10 million international passengers in a single month after it saw an 11% leap in traffic in July. In total, the airline carried 10.14 million passengers compared with 9.15 million in July 2014. Its load factor, uh, number of available seats sold, rose from 91% to 95 the rise boosted Ryanair's rolling annual traffic by 15% to 95.3 million passengers. That's insane, isn't it? The The airline spokesman, Kenny Jacobs, said these record customer numbers and highest ever load factors are due to our low fares, our stronger forward bookings and the continuing success of our always getting better customer experience program, which continues to deliver stronger than expected traffic and load factors on our biggest ever summer schedule. Ryanair customers can look forward to more service enhancements in the autumn as we continue year two of our Always Getting Better program, which include a new website, new app, new cabin interiors, new crew uniforms, Mm. uh, improved in-flight menus, reduced fees. Oh, the magic word, reduced fees. That will be fascinating to follow, and I'm sure we will. And great new digital features such as Hold the Fair as Ryanair continues to deliver so much more than just the lowest fares in Europe. Blimey. That's yeah. not blowing your own trumpet at all. No, no, no. I, I, I'd be a bit disappointed if Ryanair's spokesman did anything but, frankly. <laughs> well, there we go. I mean, is that's another news story involving massive passenger numbers. I know, it's with, good. With a budget carrier such as it Ryanair. Is. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm not surprised. It's good, it's good news. It is. Especially for Ryanair. And obviously, because they're now starting to um, renew their fleet from yes. the oldest. And I know, obviously, got the... Um, the new 737s coming online, the 800s, 
and they've obviously got the orders for the new 737 Max, which will be online yeah. um, in, a, in a year or two's time. So I mean, to good. be fair, the old the, the existing fleet serves its purpose mm. very well, frankly. Oh, yeah. I mean, it is literally an air... Well, they ought to be made by Airbus because they are literally buses that are in the air. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's because I, I, I kind of like the fact that it's... Though, I mean, you, you don't have these sort of features when you get on a bus to travel from one place to another, do you? I mean, mm. it's... Uh, you know, you do on mine, but that's that's just because I, you know, I like to to, to pimp my ride. But <laughs> actually, I feel guilty now because I'm I'm not using Ryanair this year to <gasps> travel to Malta. Outrageous! No. Their numbers will drop, and it'll be entirely your fault. I know. Yes. So, who are you using this time? Then? Well, we're flying out with EasyJet, and we're coming home with Air Malta. Yeah, actually, so. we, we've just booked a holiday to Menorca, and we're flying EasyJet. Oh, are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. I'm very much excited. The, the, the only massive downside: guess which airline we're which airport we're flying from. <laughs> oh. Luton. Yes. Oh, oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm going to have to talk to them about uh, getting some help, I think, I, to get I strung, poor mother from one gate to I strongly advise that you wear your PTUK T-shirt. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. What, 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 so that I get arrested and thrown in the hold? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mind you, we don't normally we don't, we don't normally say bad things about Ryanair. No, no. It's only Ryanair we say yeah, horrible well, things not, about. Not, not EasyJet. No, no, no. EasyJet will probably see your T-shirt and if you, if you wear the plain talking UK T-shirt, yeah. they'll probably, oh, royalty. Yeah, we'll, absolutely. We'll give him... Uh, Row number yeah. one. Well, that would be nice. Yeah, a bit of leg room yeah, would be great. Yeah, leg yes. room, you know, decent sandwich. No, pushing my luck there. Oh, no. <laughs> so, moving on to the next story, which is a, a cuddly, a cuddly, cute story um, for me. Really, uh, on the <laughs> Scotsman uh, on Sunday website, this one and pass mm. the headline: passenger smuggled kitten oh, onto flight to Glasgow. Oh, dear, oh dear. <laughs> so. Uh, an airline passenger managed to smuggle a kitten into uh, Scotland after security checks failed to spot the cat prior to the traveller boarding a plane in Greece. Oh, dear. Obviously trying to escape the uh, monetary problems in Greece. Another traveller spotted the bag moving and informed mm-hmm. authorities at Glasgow Airport after the 2,000-mile flight. Uh, the owner then refused to be separated from the stowaway, which had not been picked up by security checks at Heraklion Airport in Crete. A log of the incident released by the Civil Aviation Authority states, Kitten uh, had been missed by security on departure. The plane took off uh, on September the 10th last year without the creature being declared under the UK's pet travel scheme. Uh, the record states that passenger witnessed bag moving and alerted airline staff in baggage, uh, baggage area who alerted the border force. The owner was separated from the four-week-old kitten, which was placed in quarantine to guard against infectious diseases. Uh, the log reads, uh, passenger refused to be separated from kitten and claimed to have appropriate documentation. However, this was in their hold luggage, which did not make it to the destination and was being traced. <laughs> Philip Baum, editor of Aviation Security International, said, while a cat is not considered a prohibited item, in the same what? way... Why is it not considered... <laughs> why? Why is it... Whoa, stop there. Why is it not considered a prohibited item? It's a coot and kid... A uh, coot and kiddly, coot and cuddly kitten. What is it? Com- c- coming from Crete? It's probably very, very cute. It's probably very, you know, feral. It's, it's like, you know, wild. It's um, flea-ridden. Um, <laughs> it might not have been. Yeah, whatever. I'm a cat lover. Yes. Anyway. So am I, but I wouldn't bring one from Crete. So, so why? <laughs> God 
Blimey. Sorry. While while a cat is not considered a prohibited item in the same way as a weapon or narcotics, oh it would definitely show on an X-ray machine. <laughs> you think? You have to wonder what on earth the operator was doing at the time if he didn't see the animal going through. A good point. The other possibility is that the animal did not pass through a security uh, through security in a bag and was found airside, which uh, has happened before. The incident was recorded in logs detailed, uh, detailing disrupt, uh, disruptive passengers released under the Freedom of Information Act. The airline was not named. Cats, oh, it's lucky it wasn't Ryanair, they've been charged a fortune. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Ooh, excess weight. Yes. <laughs> Cats entering the UK require a microchip, rabies and vaccinations, and pet passport and must enter via an approved transport company and route. Mm-hmm. Heraklion Airport did not respond to requests for comment. A spokesman for uh, Renfrewshire Council confirmed an environmental health officer attended the airport. Mm. He said the council did not ask for the kitten to be destroyed, but uh, I have no record of what happened to it. Oh. It could have been taken back to the country of origin. Wow, that, hey, that's well, a that's lucky a, kitten. Like I say, it's clucking up some serious <laughs> air miles, isn't it? <laughs> Wow. This is the best travelled cat in the world, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, I love that story. I mean, there there are, to be fair, there are alarm bells ringing here. I mean, it's a bit worrying that it was passed through an x-ray machine and that, or possibly, I should say, passed through an x-ray machine and the person watching what was going through it didn't notice a cat. I have to admit, if I had had the choice, a chance, I'd take um, Poppy. On, on yes, I know, but you wouldn't stick her into the hand luggage. No, and, no, no. Like, you know, I I'd, mean, it would I'd be done on, through appropriate channels. Well, I mean, I'd put it's, on a lead. You'd put her on a lead. Yeah. You, you put your cat on a lead. Yeah. Okay, okay. Knowing copycat <laughs> as I do, I can't see her taking that to taking to that overly well. <laughs> no, Has to be sure. Not, not without you losing yeah. limbs, anyway. I know. Oh dear. Anyway, on to the next story. This is on the Daily Mirror, mirror.co.uk website. And the headline is Passenger Jet Makes Emergency Landing After Running Out of Fuel Before Reaching London Heathrow. Oh dear, that's Oops. very serious. Uh, the flight was heading to the UK from China, but was diverted to Amsterdam where it landed safely. A passenger jet heading for London from China was forced to make an emergency landing after running out of fuel mid-flight. The China Southern Flight CZ-303 was apparently ordered to avoid Chinese military exercises shortly after it took off at 9.30am local time from uh, Gangsoid in southern China. It is understood that the detour meant that the Boeing B-788 Dreamliner, uh, which can hold up to 335 passengers, did not have enough fuel to make it to Heathrow. The plane diverted to land at Amsterdam Schiphol Airport at around about 2.30pm. Flight tracking data shows the plane was scheduled to land at Heathrow at three, three, uh, 10 past 3 uh, before it was diverted. It's not known how many passengers were on board or how close the jet was to actually physically running out of fuel. It follows a similar incident in which a pilot was told it could not land at an airport in the US because the runway was closed, even though he had just three minutes of fuel left. That's crazy. Surely you just... Wow, that's not good. Um... The airplane uh, pilot uh, had requested permission to land at the Hector International Airport in North Dakota in June, but he was told the airport was out of service because of the Navy Blues uh, Angles flight demonstration team were rehearsing for an air show, and he was recommended uh, an airport that was over 70 miles away. They also said he had missed his landing slot due to an hour's delay on his flight. Eventually, he managed to land the plane safely. 
And the Turkish pa- uh, Turkish passenger plane was forced to make an emergency landing in Warsaw because a mobile phone was found on board that nobody owned. The Turkish Airlines Boeing 777-300ER aircraft was flying from Istanbul, Turkey to San Francisco, USA when it was forced to modify its course to Warsaw in Poland. The pilot again landed the plane safely and passengers were later able to continue on their travels. China Southern has not yet commented on said incident. I, did, I've read, I read this story earlier when I, mm. when I researched it online. And, um, you know, I think, I mean, they, the, the headlines, try, the papers tried to make it sound as worse than it really Are you suggesting really that is? one of our tabloid I newspapers know. is exaggerating it for their own print benefit? As all our listeners, who are all aviation geeks, will know of that uh, all airlines have a contingency amount yes. of fuel left, yeah. just for the just-in-cases. Yeah. And, uh, you know, for the uh, alternative But how far airports. would that actually get you? I mean... If you know, if you we, re- need, we need Pip here, <laughs> do we? Okay, all right. Jot that question down. We'll ask him next. I, time. I think next it, I think it's, it's something like an hour or an hour right, or two okay. hour, or an hour or two hours fuel, um, which is is you know is there just in case anything happens underward. But uh, no, I mean that obviously all went okay, and um, yeah, I mean the air, the aircraft got to where, you know to, to an airport and landed okay. That is good. And it, and it was a Dreamliner, so well, it, yes, it would have been very light air, very, very, very comfortable. Very comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, that's true. So next story on the Loughborough Echo. Oh, that's my, one of my favourite cities at all towns. That Loughborough. is Loughborough. It's a yeah. lovely place. If you haven't been, you must go. Loughborough is lovely. So a headline, abusive passengers offloaded from uh, a EMA flight to Ibiza. Uh, so it's East Midlands. So prior to reaching the air, uh, aircraft, uh, the pair were observed being rude towards airport security oh, staff, dear. deliberately shoving fellow passengers and threatening Jet2.com employees. Uh, the airline Jet2.com offloaded two aggressive and abusive male passengers from its East Midlands to Ibiza flight. Have we covered stories like this in the past, Matt? I think we might have done, yes. Do people not listen? No, 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 no. no. It's because they're not listening to our podcast. Yes, exactly. We, they need to correct that. Yes. yes. <laughs> so, uh, following the company's onboard together pledge to passengers and crew that will not stand for disruptive behaviour, the two men who were part of a group travelling to Ibiza were denied boarding the flight uh, at the gate and uh, the Castle Donington Airport in Leicestershire on Friday the 24th of July. Prior to reaching the aircraft, the pair, as we said, were observed being rude towards security staff and deliberately shoving fellow passengers and threatening Jet 2 employees. Their behaviour got so aggressive that the local police had to step in and escort them back through the airport. In addition to being offloaded, both were given a six-month ban from flying with Jet2.com and Jet2 Holidays. Mm. Phil Ward, managing director of Jet2.com, said, We are a leisure airline and we simply won't stand for such rude and uh, disrespectful behaviour. Many passengers on the flight were families travelling with young children. Uh, so there was no way we were going to excuse them to tell uh, to them to this aggressive or to expose them to this aggressive and abusive behaviour. Uh, their attitude was completely unnecessary, and ultimately they ruined their holiday because of how they acted. Mm. Well, tough on them. We uh, are determined to take a proactive stance on behalf of the industry and our loyal customers and staff. We want holidaymakers to know that we are a family-friendly airline and that will not tolerate yobbish behaviour. 
Jet2.com is leading discussions with the industry on how to tackle this growing problem together. So we covered a story a few episodes mm, back. Was it Ryanair yeah, yeah, who had banned yeah. alcohol on flights? That's to, right. Two IB. Two IB. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, actually, I think I think one step forward here might be is that if you get banned on a Jet2 flight, I think those those passenger names should be shared with all other airlines. A bit like Pubwatch. A bit like, very much so, yeah. In, in the, well, in fact, in, in, a lot of councils have something called Pubwatch, mm. where if you're banned from one pub, you're banned from them all. And I think, if, if, if you know, if you're breaking the rules and you're turning up for a flight, you're being denied travel because you're too drunk or you're being abusive or something mm. like that, those, your, those, your, your details should be shared with Ryanair, EasyJet, um, Monarch, you know, Monarch, any of, any of the other, any, mm. any carrier. And, it, you know, if they enforce a ban, of six months, then it should be across the board. And so, fine. Yeah, absolutely. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's the only way, if, if, if you're depriving them of their hard-earned money, it's probably the only way that they'll actually listen. You know, because it's probably the same people, isn't it? It's mm. a certain, I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed to say, it's just usually a certain type of person that is causing <laughs> said disruption. Very probably true. the same ones that used to end up on my Pubwatch ban list. Yes. When, when I had yes. a pub. When you had um, a pub, yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh. Matt's just dying in the Excuse background. Me. No, 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 no it's fine. That's no, fine. Just, it's just, a, it's just a mild case of death. It's fine. So the next story we've got <laughs> then, I saved this one especially for you because this Did is a, this is a very sort of um, advanced technology type uh, Ooh, story. Is it? Mm. Yes, it, it just looks like an ordinary plane at the moment. But anyway, anyway. Uh, it is on the Independent, uh, the Independent.co.uk, and the headline is: Airbus has patented a jet that could fly from London to New York in one hour. One hour. That's terrifying. I, know. I can't think of anything more frightening. A new hypersonic. hypersonic well, there we are. A new hypersonic aircraft patented by Airbus could cut the journey time between London and New York to just one hour. Now, wasn't it wasn't it um, Concorde that used to do it in about an hour, or was it? Yeah, Concorde, yeah, before that um, yeah. got to... I'll, I'll leave you to look that up while I carry on. The okay. application to patent an ultra-rapid air vehicle and related method of aerial locomotion was approved by the US Patent and Trademark Office last month, just over four years after it was filed. The invention involves turbojets and ramjets, uh, a type of jet engine, and a rocket mo- Rocket mo- Oh, dear, this is all getting a bit frightening. Uh, the French aircraft, uh, which hopes... It will be able to move at twice the speed of Concorde. Twice the speed of Concorde, wow. Which cruised at 1,350 miles per hour before it was retired in 2003. Uh, Airbus proposed design could therefore shave two and a half hours off Concorde's journey time between London and New York, according to the Business Insider. Traditional commercial aircraft currently take around seven hours to travel between the two cities. Other long-haul journeys could also be cut dramatically. Airbus is aiming to make the, the almost 5,600-mile trip from Paris to San Francisco in only three hours with the hypersonic jet. In its application, Airbus said that the market envisaged for the potential new aircraft uh, is principally that of business travel and VIP passengers, but it also sees a future in it for the military operations. For example, strategic renaissance uh, or strategic reconnaissance, sorry, ultra rapid transport of high added uh, of high uh, added value goods, and also equip elite commandos. It's uh, it's a fascinating. So Concord story. Uh, uh, Concord set uh, the 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 benchmark as such. Very of, much so, uh, yeah. from uh, New York to London or London to New York. Two hours and 56 minutes. Right, and so they're looking to, to shave basically another two hours off mm. that. Yeah. 
That's frightening, isn't it? 1,350 miles an hour. It's crazy, isn't it? That is. Well, I mean, I mean, I said, I've, I've said this several times, haven't I? I never really understood. I know there were issues with Concorde, but I'm, I'm amazed it wasn't, you know, replaced with an equivalent, if you like. Uh, that that did meet the standards and all that kind of thing. I never really understood why such a an iconic aircraft left service in the first place, or wasn't at least replaced with something similar. You know. So Concorde um, on December the nineteenth, nineteen eighty five, Concorde um, set a speed record of one thousand four hundred and eighty eight miles per hour, wow. which was the fastest recorded speed for a commercial aircraft. Gosh, bit of bit of them. Um, Bit of bit of some stuff there for you. Yes. Bit of stats for yes. you there. Okay, so moving on to the next story. Uh, travel mole, this one. Yeah. And uh, EasyJet reports rise in July traffic. Yeah. Blimey, when he just had July. So EasyJet passenger numbers grew 9.4% in July to just over 7 million passengers. Meanwhile, load factor percentage, a uh, percentage of available seats sold, grew 1.4% points to 94.3%. He's getting tired, bless him. <laughs> For the 12 months to end of July, passenger numbers grew 6.1% and load factor was up 1.2 percentage points to 91.4. The figures were released a day after Ryanair claimed it had become the first airline ever to carry more than 10 million international passengers in a single month after it saw 11% jump in passenger numbers in July. You had that story, didn't we you? We did, yeah. Ryanair carried uh, 10.14 million passengers in July compared with 9.15 million in July 2014. Its load factor rose from 91% to 95%. This rise boosted Ryanair's rolling annual traffic by 15% to 95.3 million. Mm. That's that's very, very lazy reporting by the travel mall there, it has to be said. I know. Never mind. They're normally very good, so I don't know quite what happened there. So, well, basically, it's low-cost carriers are the ones that are winning, mm. aren't they? Oh, yeah, it's, definitely, uh, definitely. It's, it's, it's good. It's good news for them. It definitely. certainly is. Good news so, for us, because it means that they have to compete cheat with flights, each other for cheat, cheat flights. Cheat flight. That's exactly. what it's all about. Yes, okay. On to the next story. This is on the Reuters website, and the headline is, London City's airport sale may fetch as much as £2 billion. That They're is... selling London City Airport? Really? Oh, oh no. dear. Oh, where's Pip when you need him? Eh? I know. We need an opinion. Perhaps uh, Pip, Pip, perhaps Pip will uh, buy it, because he... Pip flies from London City Airport. So, uh, really, mm. I, 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 you know, two two billion pounds. Really, I mean, you know, I, well, a small change <laughs> for Pip being a but being a multi, you know, multi uh, billionaire pilot, pilot right? Pilot, uh, okay, yeah, private jet pilot that he is. There's no need to be like that, is there? <laughs> Poor Pip. I, 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 Pip, on behalf of everyone here at the Plain Talking UK podcast, except Carlos, we apologise. Um, I don't know what's the matter with him today. It's uh, perhaps you're catching my cold. That'll be what I it know. Is. Probably, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Probably. No, no, anyway, no. Uh, say this is the Reuters website, and the headline is US-based global infrastructure fund GIP, owner of London City Airport, has appointed advisors to sell the airport this year. The Financial Times has reported, citing people familiar with the matter. The FT said that the sale could raise as much as £2 billion. The market demand for quality airports is very high, quoted uh, GIP's Director of Transport, Michael McGee, as saying. McGee uh, has said that the GIP did not intend to sell its stakes in Gatwick or Edinburgh airports, the paper also said. The uh, price tag for the city airport could be limited by a 200 million 
could be limited by a £200 million planning permission that was approved by Newham Council in February, but was later blocked by the Mayor of London, Boris Johnson. Oh, what was that? Were they, were they going to try and build a second runway then, possibly? Well, they weren't, yes. Yes, oh, right. Well, Global Infrastructure Partners and Oak Tree Capital, which owns 25% of the airport, could not uh, be immediately reached for comment. Oh, so a selling London City Airport. Mm. I wonder who'll buy it. Yeah, not Pip. No. <laughs> no, it, it'll be interesting to see who, buy it, who, yeah. who buys the airport, though. Um, yeah. Definitely, because it is a busy, is a well-used and busy Well, yes, I mean, airport. well, it's, it is, you know, there's no two ways about it. It's the nearest one to the capital, isn't it? Oh, yeah. You know. It's right in the capital. Well, it is right in the capital. Uh, Mind you, Heathrow is really not far away from the capital. Yeah. And uh, also the, the, the A318, the Airbus A318 that, that me and Pip went on at uh, Riyadh yes. flies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was little British Airways one, yeah, wasn't it? The, yeah, the business, the full yeah. business class one. Absolutely. So next story, moving on. Yes. Uh, on Flight Global and uh, LL to require up to 28 Boeing 787 Dreamliners. Mm-hmm. So LL has decided to buy and lease a mixture of 15 Boeing 787-8s and 787-9s to replace Boeing 747-400s and Boeing 767-300ERs. Preserving the U.S. manufacturer's monopoly of the Israeli flag carrier's fleet, El Al is now negotiating exclusively with Boeing to sign a firm order for about half of the 15 aircraft worth 800 million dollars. Uh, the carrier says in a 5th of August filing with the Tel Aviv Stock Exchange. The firm order will include an option to purchase up to 13 more aircraft, along with an additional alternative engines. The uh, filing states. El Al also plans to lease about half of the total amount of the uh, 15 new aircraft, not including the 13 options. The 787-9s will gradually replace the carrier's 6747-400s and the 787-8s will succeed the 767-300ERs, now in operation uh, with uh, El Al. All 15 aircraft will enter the fleet between 2017 and 2020. The decision blunts an Airbus effort to break the Boeing's long-standing monopoly status in the El Al's fleet. It also reviews or revives uh, a previous El Al plan to order 787s in 2006. The carrier cancelled uh, a deal to buy up to 10 of the wild-body aircraft due to financial difficulties. Mm. But obviously things have changed. Yeah, well, very much so. I doubt, I doubt they're experiencing that now. If they've just committed all this money to, to new aircraft. But it's good thinking. 28 yeah, 787s. It's good thinking with these airlines. You know, when you get an airline like, like El Al, who, are, yeah. who have got an all, they're going to have an all-Boeing, or still an all-Boeing right. yeah. fleet. So it's all-Boeing. Mm. They only have yeah. one dealing, one aircraft type. Yeah. Same with uh, with uh, EasyJet, yeah, all and, Airbus and Ryanair. To be fair, Ryanair, yeah, they're all, all Boeing. Boeing. Yeah, yeah it, it's it's good thinking. It's good, uh, you know, yeah. for, for uh, money. Well, presumably yeah. some some of the parts are. Well, I suppose in Ryanair's case, of course, they are the seven three seven eight hundreds, aren't yeah. they? And, so and it's, so it's the same sense. stocks. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It does make sense. The next story. The next story. Uh, yes, the next story. Flight Global again. And the headline is Undisclosed Customer Signs for 25 A321neos. Ooh. Airbus has disclosed a firm order for 25 A321neos. Uh, Neojets assigned to an undisclosed customer in its latest backlog data. The agreement was signed on the 31st of July, the airframer has revealed. It has not identified the customer involved nor disclosed any uh, PowerPoint choice or delivery data. 
dates for the jet. Korean carrier uh, Asiana Airways uh, stated earlier this year that it was intending to acquire 25 of the A321neos for its operation and that of low-cost division Air Busan. Busan? Busan? Busan. Busan, yeah. <laughs> Some fancy name anyway the order uh, was the most significant airbus deal signed during the month the only other came from group de Brule for the uh, single a330-300 group de, de Brule is uh, the parent of air oh dear Air Caribbees. Caribbees. Air Caribbees. Apologies mm. if that's been pronounced incorrectly. And had indicated last month that it planned to start a new operation, Sunline, with an A330 300 next year. Airbus states that its net orders for the first seven months of 2015 reached 367 aircraft following the cancellation of seven A350-900s for Singapore Airlines. Over the same period, the manufacturer delivered 353 jets, including 15 A380s and four A350s. So a bit of a uh, bit of um, info on it. On the A321neo, obviously the largest of the single aisle, um, sort of the medium short to medium haul jets mm. that uh, airbus have uh the neo is uh, the new engine option as it's called new neo um will have it's obviously going to have the sharklets which you see on yeah. on the boeing as well on the, tips, on the yeah. new airbus yeah um it's going to be delivering a per seat fuel improvement of 20% wow that's, along that's with number, uh, an additional it? range of up to 500 nautical miles or 2 tons of extra payload God. Uh, the A321neo as well, Airbus is increasing seating capacity with uh, optimised use of cabin space, increased exit limits and a new cabin door configuration. This cabin flex option will increase the jetliner's maximum certified capacity to 240 seats while still accommodating Airbus's modern comfort standard of at least an 18-inch wide seat. Wow. Uh the A321LR, uh, a new variant of the A321neo, uh, deliveries of which will begin in 2019, will have the longest range of any single aisle jet liner uh, available to fly routes of up to 4,000 nautical miles. Wow. So That's a bit, bit of info, it? yeah. I mean, yeah. the, um, the A321 is obviously, like we said, it's... Um, it's slightly longer than the A320. Mm. Uh, it's not been as popular as the A320. No. The A320 has been a mass seller for Airbus. Why do you think that Airbus. is? Any idea? It, it's all, you know, it's all depending on what, what the airlines want, really. You know, yeah, what they true. Want to, to, true. Yeah, but uh, EasyJet use A320s predominantly. Right, yeah. So there we go. Uh, next story, Flight Global. Uh, and a Pratt & Whitney story, this one. Mm. Uh, so good one for Max Flight here. Those of you who <laughs> listen to the Airplane Geeks. Uh, Pratt & Whitney discloses new engine option for the C-Series. So Pratt & Whitney is rolling out a new higher thrust version of the uh, PW1500G engine for the Bombardier C-Series aircraft family uh, in the next two to three months. The new PW1525G will become the fourth engine option for the CS100 and the third option available for the CS300. Pratt & Whitney is developing the new version of the engine to offer up to 5% higher thrust when the aircraft is moving faster than roughly Mach 0.1 and, the, and at the maximum continuous thrust uh, rating in flight. In static conditions when the aircraft is not moving, the PW1525G will generate the same thrust as the PW1524G, which is rated to deliver up to 23,300 pounds of thrust. 
The additional thrust requires no hardware changes within the engine. Uh, and Pratt and Whitney have said, we have certain amount of design margins we have uh, found within the engine. Graham Webb, vice president of PW1000G series engine, tells Flight Global. But running the engine at the higher rating will expose the components to hotter temperatures, so maintenance costs will increase, Webb says. A new software update for the Pratt & Whitney 1500G engine fleet is scheduled for release in September or October, and that version will enable higher thrust capability of the Pratt & Whitney 1525G engine, he says. The uh, Pratt & Whitney 1525G option, first disclosed in a Bombardier sales uh, brochure posted online in July, will allow a C-series operator to carry a heavier load of passengers and cargo or more range or some combination of the two. So that's good then. With Pratt Whitney, uh, obviously with an, a different engine option for the C series, mm. and um, obviously Pratt Whitney being quite a large engine manufacturer, yeah. along with um, you know Rolls Royce and stuff, popular engine manufacturer. And uh, I'd, I'd like to think that um, these uh, new engines are obviously going to be uh, a lot more um, eco friendly. Uh, and on that note, especially for Captain Jeff. <laughs> We're going green. Oh dear. <laughs> We're going green. We're gonna take care of the earth. We're going green. Oh dear. You're gonna have to give me some. You're gonna have to give me. Uh, you know some some, so some context. You, I know. Here. So those of you who listen to uh, the airline pilot guy show will know this song very well. Right. Okay. Um, yes. <laughs> we'll stop that there. Yeah. That, oh, I'm just get into I know, it. I know. <laughs> That's, that's just for Jeff, that bit. Right. There. I hope you enjoyed that, Jeff, if you've, if you've listened to the show. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Right. Anyway, before we ended up, end up being sued. Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, breaking Travel News is the website. It's breakingtravelnews.com. And the headline is Emirates launches all A380 service from London. Uh, on, I don't know. I'll try that again. Emirates launch all three A380 service on London route. Oh, Emirates eight daily flights to London will all be served by the highly popular A380s from January the 1st, 2016. Cementing the airline's uh, status as the largest international A380 operator are into the British capital. Combined with the Air Airlines double daily A380 services to Manchester Emirates will offer 70 A380 flights per week into the UK more than any other country on the Emirates network. The third A380 into London Gatwick will replace Emirates flights EK011 and EK012 from January 2016, providing customers with a consistent A380 experience no matter what time of the day they travel. The deployment of a third A380 uh, to London Gatwick now means that travellers to and from London can enjoy our world-class A380 on every flight, says Hubert Frack. Uh, Emirates Divisional Senior Vice President Commercial Operations West. In the last five years, we have increased capacity into London by over 25%. This demonstrates the attractiveness of the A380 with its ability to serve customer demand at slot constrained, uh, at slot constrained points without the need for adding uh, another frequency. 
Emirates has steadily grown its London A380 operations since first deploying the aircraft on a scheduled service to Heathrow in December 2008, the second A380 destination to join the airline network. The eighth A380 service into London is another major investment for Emirates in the UK, where it operates 119 weekly flights via six gateways, London Heathrow, London Gatwick, Birmingham, Manchester, Newcastle and Glasgow. Emirates currently has 35 A380s, uh, destinations uh, across its network with Copenhagen joining the airline's A380 network from December. That's great news. I'm, I'm obviously, as you know, I've flown with Emirates on the A380. Oh, so it's so cool, man. Really? If you ever get the chance to uh, go long haul to yeah. somewhere where Emirates serve the route, yeah, yeah. you've got to, you've, you, or any uh, airline, you've got to try the 380 because really? it is, you know, it is, it is a, it's a fantastic experience. It really is cool. for, pass- for the passenger. Um, oh, that's good. Yeah, definitely one to try the A380. Well, I mean, they're, they're a beautiful aircraft, aren't they? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And good news as well for anyone who, well, travels from the UK well, yeah, to, uh, to yes, Dubai. And on that note, same website. Mm. So we have another story, another Emirates story. And uh, for those of you who have flown Emirates before will know they've got quite a large number of Boeing 777s in their fleet. Uh, but Emirates is waving goodbye to the uh, to the final Boeing 777-200. Uh, obviously, because Emirates do have uh, mostly all now 300 ER yeah. um, versions of the 777. So Emirates has ceased operation um, of uh, Alpha 6 Echo Mike Foxtrot, the last remaining Boeing 777-200ER from their fleet. The aircraft departed from Dubai uh, to Arizona via Boston for deregistration. Uh, since joining the Emirates fleet in 1996, Alpha 6 Echo Mike Foxtrot flew an estimated 60 million kilometers, enough to fly to the moon and back nearly 80 times. Wow. <laughs> and transported hundreds of thousands of passengers to destinations as far and wide as Warsaw and Ho Chi Minh City. Mm-hmm. Emirates is uh, pursuing an aggressive fleet renewal program that ensures it operates one of the world's most modern and efficient fleets of aircraft with an average age of less than uh, 75 months. Wow. With Emirates taking delivery of 24 new aircraft in uh, the 20 or 2014-2015 and 26 new aircraft planned to enter service this year alone, retiring older aircraft helps Emirates operate one of the youngest fleets in the skies today. Emirates currently operates 234 all-wide-body aircraft uh, across six aircraft types. It also um, it is also the world's largest operator of the Airbus A380, as Matt was just saying in the mm. previous news story, and the Boeing 777 aircraft. Uh, modern and efficient aircraft not only help reduce environmental impact, but also enable Emirates to offer the latest facilities and provide our customers with better onboard experience, as well as the capacity we need to grow our operation. Our investment in modern wide-body aircraft uh, not only helps reduce environmental impact, but also enables Emirates to offer the latest facilities to provide our customers with a better onboard experience, as well as the capacity we need to grow our operation. Our investment in modern wide-bodied aircraft has always been the cornerstone of our strategy and success, said Adel Al-Redha, Executive Vice President of Emirates. With seven aircraft phased out in 2014 and another 10 planned for retirement this year, 
the Emirates Aircraft Assets team of 35 employees in coordination with other teams are busy around the clock managing the retirement of the older Emirates aircraft. Now, on the picture here, Matt, you've mm. got uh, there's actually a video on here. Yeah. And um, you can uh, watch the last flight of uh, Alpha 6 Echo Mike Foxtrot. Mm. And uh, it's kind of weird looking at an Emirates 777 in white. Really? With, with none of the logo. No, no Emirates <laughs> logo. It's just a purely white aircraft. So I'm, I'm guessing this aircraft will, obviously it says it's been um, flown to Arizona. Yeah. So that'll go to one of those big... Um, Desert, big big uh, desert, desert uh, landing gray, sites gray in the world. <laughs> yeah, where the aircraft will go. Yeah. Um, I mean, it could possibly be converted into a freighter. A lot of them yeah. do. A lot of the uh, the old retired 777 passenger variants do get converted into freighters. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. I mean, I'm amazed it's been completely... Re- I understand why Emirates are, because obviously, as, as it says in the story, they've got an aggressive you know, redevelopment program. But I'm amazed someone else isn't taking it on um, as you say, either in freight or, or even mm. military. I mean, it's, uh, you know. No, it's uh, sad. It's sad, but, uh, yeah, you know. Uh, but, but the fleet has to be upgraded. Well. Yeah, it's done it, well. yeah. These things have to be upgraded, though, don't they? This is the trouble. So as as we always do in this show, hey. we like to have a top 10 to indeed. finish off. Indeed. Okay. So we have a top 10. We do indeed. Uh, it's the, uh, the headline is Airlines with the Best booking process so ladies and gentlemen if you are ready in at number 10 so at number 10 airline with the best booking process it's jetstar who jetstar who (laughs) (laughs) at number nine at number nine it's whiz air number eight it's united airlines number seven it's air asia Uh, number six is vueling Airlines. Uh, rather shockingly, number five. <laughs> Ryanair. <laughs> I'm shocked. Number four. Number four. That's an interesting. I haven't yeah. heard of this airline. Uh, Pobida. 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 Uh, you're going to have to look Pobida yeah. up. Oh, am look, I? Right? Yeah, I, look, I can't do that and go at oh, number okay. three. <laughs> at number three, it's S7 Airlines. At number two, Norwegian Airlines. Uh, and finally, at number one. At number one, then, it's the airline that I'm travelling on in September. And me. And in October, as well. Yes. And that's EasyJet. So EasyJet has uh, the best or easiest um, booking process. Right. Pobida. Who are Pobida? Is, uh, they are a, uh, a Russian carrier, a Russian really? low-cost airline. Really? I know. What's their logo like? Uh, it's uh, very peculiar, uh, is the best way to describe Matt, it. Matt's now showing me on his yes. uh, laptop. Oh, okay. I know, I've never That's seen that before. I didn't even know they existed, whoever they are. But th- those uh, of you who are listening to the show whilst near a laptop, if you type in uh, P-O-B-E-D-A, Pobida, that's a new one for me. So so anyway, the detail comes from the price comparison website Skyscanner, which I quite often use if I'm looking for individual flights, and has released a list of the airlines with the best booking experiences in the world according to their users. The results are based on airlines which have more than 1,000 x Exits per month on the site and airlines which have received more than 500 customer survey responses. This means the rankings are based on the feedback of thousands of customers across the world. British low-cost carrier EasyJet came out at the top of the rankings with the best uh, booking experience. Uh, Norwegian came in second place whilst uh, S7 Airlines nabbed third. Uh, Other airlines which made the top 10 include Ryanair, Air Asia and Jetstar. Well, there we go. So, That's if it. if you if you're going to book anything online with an airline, yeah, um, yeah. EasyJet, 
EasyJet is the way is forward. forward. I must say their app is very good. I've used that for checking in and checking out. <laughs> I'm going to have to get that app. You must. Nice. Yeah. You said that. I'm going to have to get that you're app. Going, I'll tell you what. You're going to do that while I go and put the kettle on. Because okay. it is that time. Where uh, are we going? We, we are, yeah. So we're oh. going to just gonna go and have a cup of tea. We'll be right back after these few messages with uh, the usual uh, military section. We've got uh, some more stories, uh, some more interviews, I should say, from our wonderful experience at Riyadh or Riyadh 2015. So we'll be back right after this. Aviation media has long been the domain of the newspapers and magazines. Well, not anymore. I'm Steve Vischer. And I'm Grant McCarran, and we're bringing aviation right into your radio. Yes, we're making aviation cool and interesting for everyone. Hang on, aviation's always been cool. Check this out. How cool is this? Grant, Grant, turn that down. Here at Plane Crazy Down Under, we've got pilots, engineers, air traffic controllers, industry leaders, even politicians dropping by to talk to us about the amazing world of aviation right here in Australia and occasionally in New Zealand as well. Wow, that's cooler than I thought, mate. Find us at planecrazydownunder.com, on iTunes, or lurking about on other people's podcasts just like this one. We've got crazy accents and lots of great aviation content. And we promise not to talk about the cricket. No, never. Not the cricket. Quack, 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 quack. <laughs> what, what is cricket, cricket in here? Cricket, eh? Something, Something we, we read a lot. lot. No. Oh. Something we read a lot. <laughs> 60 all out. <coughs> Sorry. What was that? 60, 60? 60 all out. What's, what's that mean yeah. in English? 60 runs, for someone, everyone out. For someone, who, <laughs> for someone who doesn't know anything at all about, yes. uh, about yes. cricket, could yes. you just explain to me yes. what that means? Uh, it means that uh, they managed to successfully run from one end of the pitch to other 60 times before every single one of the 11 men were out. Oh, so does that mean or that, ten? Does that 11, mean, eleven players, ten people out? If that l- makes let me get this straight, just mm-hmm. for uh, for the benefit of Grant yes. and, yes, yes, and yes, Steve. Yes. Does, this, does this mean that we're that we're beating at the moment? Australia. As things stand at the moment, it hasn't quite over yet. Um, but if they win this match, which is looking very favourable, shall we say, we will be the owners of the Ashes. Oh. <laughs> very exciting. <laughs> Oh God! I can, I can, I can feel the uh, the, the death seething. threats from yes. Grant yes. coming through <laughs> yeah. as an email. No. Yeah. He's never going to speak to me again, is well, he? I <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm safe because I don't know anything about cricket, so I don't care. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, yes. so we have got some military news we to have. bring you. We've got some stories, we some have. rather good stories, and uh, we're going to bring those stories to you right now. It's so amusing when we have the jingles and we talk between them and stuff. Anyhow, so Flight Global then, the first story uh, in the military segment this week. And uh, it's, it's a story that was covered actually um, on the latest plane uh, Airplane Geeks uh, web, uh, podcast. And um, the headline, Marines smiling sea, uh, sea night farewelled after 51 years. Ooh. So after 51 years of service with the U.S. Marine Corps, the Boeing Vertol CH-46 Sea Knight flew for the last time on the 1st of August at a retirement ceremony in Chantilly, Virginia. The frog, which made its combat debut in Vietnam, is being put on display at the Smithsonian uh, Institution's National Air and Space Museum in Chantilly. 
but will eventually move to a new annex at the National Museum of the Marine Corps in Quantico in Virginia. Uh, the twin-engined uh, tandem rotor aircraft first flew in August uh, 1962, and the first production example was delivered in 1964 as a medium assault transport helicopter. Although the Sea Knight's core missions were to resupply and uh, medical evacuation and um, aircraft and personnel recovery, a small number were assigned to Marine Helicopter Squadron 1. HMX-1, providing utility support and uh, for presidential airlift operations. Those duties have since passed to the Bell Boeing MV-22 Osprey, one of the helicopters me and Matt saw at Riyadh this year. Uh, at the retirement ceremony, the Sea Knight previously assigned to HMX-1 was displayed alongside an MV-22 that now supports the presidential airlift. Neither type were used to carry the president since that duty is performed by the vintage VH-3D Seeking, at least until the new Shikorsi VH-92 Marine 1 presidential helicopter comes online in the uh, 2020s. The final flight ceremony was attended by Lieutenant Gen uh, John Davis, Deputy Commandant of the uh, Marine Corps Aviation, who paid tribute to the aircraft's uh, career spanning five decades and almost every major combat operation since Vietnam. When the Marines were wounded in their darkest hours, this aircraft would bring them home safely, he was quoted saying uh, in a statement. And the Sea Knight's last service flight occurred last October. Now I gotta say I do love that that, that in that the the, air, the paint scheme obviously for the Marines is painted that kind of green mm. and it uh, obviously for the the, the last um, flight here it was it was stunningly pristine yeah. condition I mean yeah, the, very the, shiny yeah. the uh, condition of the aircraft is 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 really really good and it's so also- so so now what is this actual aircraft? Well, it's kind. Of, you could kind of say it's a, a kind of a Chinook. Yeah. Um, yeah, we have them in the UK here. Yes, I know. Uh, no, well, that, that's why I was asking because yeah. today, whilst at work, um, oh, okay. I was in the office uh, doing doing some IT based uh, uh, alterations to our network, and uh, I, it was the most horrific noise I've ever heard. And we all ran out of our various offices and or in and out or under buses, etc., etc. It wasn't BT. No, it wasn't BT. No, okay. no. We rushed outside to see two of these things. Flying round, uh, so whether they were landing at Ella, um, no, flying but, over. But, but as I say, but there was there was two of them. Mm. One one behind each. I've never heard a noise like it. It was absolutely. It was it was it was so low. I can't get over how low they were. It was. Uh, I honestly, I thought they were crashing at, at one point because it sort of swooped and banked down. It really was. I mean, they're they're stunning things. And for some reason, there were two in Beckles today. I don't know why. Today being Friday, the seventh of August. Mm. So if anybody knows why, uh, (laughs) but no, this this particular helicopter then has been replaced by the uh, the V twenty two Osprey, which we saw, yeah, yeah, uh, which is a tilt rotor, um, which is also a hugely stunning aircraft as well. Um, But uh, no, it's it's a shame when uh, when aircraft such as these are retired. You know, they've proved. I mean, they've obviously proved their worth. Yeah, very much so. Very, very. um, um, very resilient and fantastic helicopters. Yeah. So moving on to the next yep. story. Next story. This is on Flight Global, and the headline is uh, Israel uh, evaluates uh, converted 767 as tanker alternative. Israeli uh, Israel... Uh, that's very badly written again. Anyway, <laughs> Israel is evaluating a converted Boeing 767 passenger aircraft as its Air Force's next aerial refueling tanker. 
We have to replace our old Boeing 707 aerial refueling aircraft, and we we uh, look at two main options: the Boeing KC-46A, which I think we see quite quite often as um, yeah, we do uh, yeah. yeah in the UK as a refueling uh, aircraft, and the 767 that Israel um, Aerospace Industries is converting as a flying refueling station. A senior Air Force source has said the KC-46A, which Boeing is developing for the U.S. Air Force, was originally the only platform platform under consideration. However, platform delays now appear to have rendered the converted 767 as a variable uh, as a viable alternative. The price of the KC-46A is also a factor weighing against uh, the platform. We need the aerial refueling capability and we will now calculate the cost effectiveness and other factors of the two options the IAF source has said. Um uh IAI uh, Bedek division will operate a dedicated conversion line taking former passenger 767-300ERs and turning them into its multi-mission tanker transport configuration. Uh, Bedek has also delivered one converted 767 tanker to Colombia and Brazil also intends to acquire these examples to replace its Air Force's four KC-137s which have been operated since 1986. So the KC-46... Um, has is is got a, a name designated to it, Matt. It's called the Pegasus, Ooh. which I think is very, very Greek. Yes. Very, very Greek. <laughs> a horse, yeah. Greek gods. Uh, if you want to buy one of these, uh, it'll set you back uh, a cool one hundred and eighty-eight point two million oh, splendid. US two. dollars. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> but uh, we we like to have a tanker story on the show. Well, absolutely, so. yes, yeah. So next story uh, on. Flight Global then is uh, trim error led to fatal Greek F-16 crash. Uh, NATO investigators have determined that the main cause of a fatal Greek uh, uh, crash um, of an F-16 Lockheed Martin in January was that the aircraft had not been properly trimmed for takeoff, affecting the handling characteristics of the fighter. Before the F-16 taxied at uh, Albacete Air Base in Spain, the yaw trim on the aircraft was inadvertently set to the maximum right deflection, or 12 degrees right, which drastically affected the aerodynamics of the F-16 during takeoff, the final report into the incident states. The trim check, which includes ensuring that the pitch and yaw trim knobs are centred, is part of the before takeoff procedures, which were carried out while the F-16 was in the parking area some 20 minutes before the flight. This was deemed by the NATO Safety Investigation Board to be very early. Other contributing factors included the manual trim panel not being designed to prevent the inadvertent movement and the aircraft not having the means of alerting the pilot if incorrectly configured. The coexistence of a number of critical factors led to the accident uh, to a fatal level. Heavy gross weight asymmetry configuration uh, of the two-seat model. External fuel tanks as well, mainly centerline and the crosswind, um, the report stated. Uh, additionally, there were no related emergency procedures and no previous recorded incidents of this type uh, within the Air Force. Uh, the impact and post-crash fire led to the destruction of the F-16 and wrote off uh, and damaged eight other aircraft. Now, I remember this Blimey. one in the news now. This was, um, I didn't realise it had taken out eight other aircraft. Really. Yeah, that, um, <laughs> it was quite, quite a bad crash, actually. Yeah. This happened. Um, Ooh, obviously, oh, Matt's headbutting the microphone. <laughs> It's a it, gift. Uh, what can oh, I say? I <laughs> but no, I'll, just, I'll just move it back one moment, listeners. There we, there we go. 
So anyway, obviously they've uh, they've looked into this and they've discovered what actually was uh, was done wrong by the by the pilot. But uh, you think there'd be some sort of warning thing on because uh, passenger aircraft have um, warning systems built in. So if the aircraft's not configured properly for yeah. landing or takeoff, yeah. the pilots get a warning, an audible yeah. warning or a light flashes. So um, I, yeah. I guess I guess it's the assumption that perhaps the mil- the military guys. Ought, ought mm. to know better. I took. Well, while we're here, we'd, we'd just like to welcome into the Plain Talking UK kitchen studio my wife Gemma. Yes, and and tea by yeah. the look of it. Yes, yep. hello. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yes. I think we should have a new cooking section. What do you reckon? Yeah. <laughs> Oh yes! If you yeah, if you can hear my wife there, just uh, uh, if if you've uh, <laughs> send us. If you've your... ever spoken to some of our listeners, Gemma, the trouble is, is we could have could end up with a rather unusual meal. <laughs> It'll be sort of coal and airplane parts. No, no, me me neither. But uh, there we are. Anyway. <laughs> Anyway, on to the next story. This is on Flight Global again, and the headline is Italian KC-767 tanker completes its first F-35 refueling. Now, we we covered this a few weeks ago, didn't we, where where testing had started. Italy's F-35 programme has passed a key test with an Italian Air Force KC-767A tanker refueling a Lockheed Martin F-35A for the first time. The milestone comes as Italy prepares to flight test its first domestically assembled F-35A. 35A, which rolled off the Kamari uh, assembly line in March and will eventually be flown to the US to support pilot training at Luke AFB in Arizona. The joint strike fighter top-up took uh, took place on the 29th of July over uh, Edwards AFB in California with 25 boom contacts and 7,259 kilograms or 16,000 pounds of fuel offloaded to the US Air Force F-35. Italy's KC-67, uh, K, KC-767A is the first international tanker not, operate, not operated by the United States Air Force to undergo refuelling certification trials with a US aircraft, the F-35 Joint Programme Office said in a statement. Italy operates four Boeing-built KC-767As based at uh, Pratica uh, de Mer Air Base and intends to purchase 60 F-35As and 30 F-35Bs to replace the Tornado, AMX and AV-8 Harriers. The refuelling flight comes as the Marine Corps declares its first operational F-35 squadron ready for combat. Oh, that's good to see that uh, you know all these tank, these d- different yeah. uh, forces around Euro- in Europe, yeah. obviously Italians here, are all um, choosing Boeing products, yeah. I might add. Um, but no, it's great. I mean, the picture here you've got as well on the site, in the Flight Global yeah. site, you can see it refueling in flight. And if you look at the boom, yeah. that's a rather interesting paint job on the boom. It is, there. absolutely. You wouldn't miss that on a dark no, night. No, well, no. maybe that's why. Maybe that's why it's been done. But like also that, another but... thing as well that I've noticed as well on this picture, Matt, as well, you know how most um, air-to-air refueling, the the aircraft that's being refueled generally tends to have a, a kind of probe that comes from the front end yeah. of the aircraft. Now, if you notice on here... Um, the F-35 has its refueling uh, pickup nozzle mm. sort of kind of midway uh, on top of the fuselage, if you see. Yeah. So it's kind of it's a, in a different uh, place. Yeah. So I wonder what sort of um, issues that brings. Because normally when you've got the refueling probe in yeah. front of you, if you're a pilot, it's a lot easier to there, see it. Yeah. You can see it. So where this is mm. actually 
as we can see, you know, it's midway down the top end of the fuselage on the F-35. Well, you're relying on, on very skilled pilots to ensure that the mm. boom ends up where it should be on both parties, not only um, not only with, with, with the refueler, but also the F-35. So next story on the Intelligent Aerospace uh, website, this one. And uh, Navy to order 29 new P-8A Poseidon maritime patrol jets for the US and Australia. Uh, so this story uh, in uh, just at the beginning of August, this one, uh, US Navy surveillance aircraft expert, experts are making plans to order 29 new Boeing PAA Poseidon maritime patrol jets for the US and Australian military forces. Officials of the Naval Air Systems Command at uh, Potox River Naval Air Station awarded the uh, $358.9 million contract to the Boeing company in Seattle for long lead items uh, for nine Navy Lot 2 P-8A Poseidons, uh, 16 Navy Lot 3 P-8As and four Royal Australian Air Force Lot 3 P-8As. Long lead items involve system components that require the longest time to build, which could delay overall system production if money isn't allocated for production in the early process. The P-8 is a militarized version of the Boeing 737 single-aisle mm-hmm. jet airliner, hardened for long-range maritime patrol and anti-submarine warfare missions. The P-8 is scheduled to replace the Lockheed Martin P-3 Orion maritime patrol turboprop aircraft. Ultimately, the Navy plans to buy 108 P-8A wow. aircraft from That's Boeing. That's a hell of an order, isn't it? Wow. To replace the service fleet of 196 P-3C Orion's patrol aircraft, which are approaching the end of their operational life. The P-3 is a version of the Lockheed Martin Electra four-engine turboprop aircraft. And uh, the PAA is designed to operate at extremely low altitudes over the ocean during close-in searches for potentially hostile submarines. And the PAA is designed to withstand the rigors of low-altitude turbulence and exposure to salt spray. Wow, mm. that's pretty cool. I mean, I mean, I wonder how that. In, if there's obviously there must be a, a separate production line just for the PAA Poseidon because mm. obviously this is based on a seven three seven. It's the same yeah. aircraft essentially. Um, but we saw one of these. Uh, did we see one? Is it React? God blimey! It's only a few weeks ago. My memory's not blank. <laughs> uh, I saw one of these last year at React. I saw planes. Uh, that's all. I saw, yeah, that's all. Lots of planes. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, no, it's a fa- it's a fantastic aircraft. Mm. It's a shame it's replacing the uh, the, the old P three. I've similar to the P three, the uh, Lockheed Martin Electra ones, the uh, prop, mm. and they're um, they're really nice. I can't sort but of... Boeing planes really do have a, a sort of quite a distinctive. You, you can you can tell a Boeing <laughs> from from a glance, can't you? You, you you're not going to get them them or an Airbus mixed mm. up, are you? I mean, it's. Uh... I, I always look at it in it. You can you can tell the difference between an, an Airbus and a Boeing by the mm. APU outlet on the back. Oh right. If you if you um, if you ever look at a Boeing APU outlet, so the exhaust at the very tail of the aircraft yeah. the the airbus tends to sort of come up or sort of uh, come up in a in a in a slight in a, a, an upward fashion yeah. at the back whereas the uh, boeing aircraft's apu outlet mm. tends to be a sort of straight off at the back right a sort of a uh, wow. level you can always tell the difference between the two there's <laughs> a, a way ways and means or anything so. well there we are so the last story there, Matt? Yeah, the last story. This is on the Royal Air Force website. Yay. And the headline is X-Triplex Warrior. Uh, exercise Triplex um, Warrior. Growing as an exercise year on year. Triplex Warrior 
in 2015 sees participation from across the Royal Air Force, including Typhoon Tornado GR4s, uh, Hawks uh, E3Ds, uh, Sentinels, Shadows, Voyager, C-17s and Chinooks. Uh, together with RAF Lake and Heath-based uh, F-15s and HH-60 helicopters and Royal Netherlands Air Force F-16s. The mission is supported by number one air control centre, the... Um, uh, is it Spadaram? Spa- Spader- Ooh, dear, I'm so sorry. That's not very well pronounced. Spadam. 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 Yeah, absolutely. I'm not sure quite what that is. So somebody please correct us because I want to make sure I get that right. Uh, electronic uh, w- warfare training facility. Forward air controllers from the 3rd Regiment Horse uh, Royal Horse Artillery. Personnel from 16 Air Assault Brigade and industry support from Cobram Aviation and Schmidt International. Over 16 missions, Triplex Warrior is planned to include some 486 flying serials operating in the North Sea military danger areas and overland in Northumberland and Cumbria. Perhaps the most complicated of these missions was the DCA Day, flown on the 30th of July, which included 40 blue fighters conducting a simulated point defence mission protecting two high-value industrial facilities in the North Sea. Uh, During this mission, fighter aircraft faced an enemy force of some 78 fighters with various aircraft types replicating a well-trained near-peer adversary over an eight-hour period. The mission was led by the Qualified Weapons Instructor Course 6 Aerospace Battle Manager student um, uh, uh, Flight Officer uh, Mark Hobson and provided an excellent opportunity to integrate with other NATO forces in a realistic operational scenario. Captain uh, Jay Dickens, from uh, who, who was flying uh, one of the F-16s, explains how he was one of the red simulated attack uh, fighter pilots in Ooh. an interview with the deputy media and comms officer Yvonne Masters. Uh, it's a it's an interesting story. Definitely with the F six. It's nice to see the F sixteen. Yeah, it is. Exercise triple X warrior. Yeah, where they get these names for for these exercises from? But a nice mixture of um, of aircraft and stuff across the uh, across the the, the land there. But you were um, saying about the Spadia, Spadia. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, just looking on the wonder that is the interweb. Yeah, and uh, RAF Spadia. Spadia, Spaderdam. Yeah, Spaderdam. 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 I think it's Spaderdam. Right, okay. RAF Spaderdam is the only facility in Europe where air crews can practice manoeuvres and tactics against a variety of threats and ah. targets that they face in contemporary warfare. Cool. Uh, the facility attracts aircraft from the Royal Air Force, Army, Navy, and NATO forces. Cool, yeah. So it's a massive training facility. It's a decent you know? training facility, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So there we go. Yeah. So that's where we bring the military news to a close this week. Yeah. And uh, we are going to move on next. Yeah, so it's time for our part three of our uh, our experience. I think that's the best way to describe it. Fantastic. Our, our fantastic couple of days that we had at Riyadh. Uh, we've got two interviews for you this time round. Uh, first one is squadron leader Kev Simpson. And then second up is uh, Lieutenant James Wallace. And here they are. So 
again here at the Riyadh Air Show and this time we're very lucky indeed, Carlos and I, to be oh, yeah. on board the Royal Air Force E3 Sentry and we're talking to... Squadron Leader Kev Simpson. And your role here, you're a pilot? Yeah, I'm a pilot. I'm a Flight Commander Ops on 8 Squadron. Uh, so my role is I'm in charge of all the pilots, flight engineers and navigators who fly this aircraft. Fantastic. Well, thanks very much for taking a, a few minutes out of the day. Yeah, definitely. Thanks ever so much for letting us on board. You're so, more than welcome. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you. What's the, what's the typical uh, crew consist of then for, uh, for a mission? Yep, so we um, usually operate with a crew of 18, which comprises four on the flight deck, as I've already said. Um, plus we have two um, comms operators, uh, a displays technician, a radar technician, and then 10 mission crew personnel, which is made up of a mix of surveillance uh, controllers and operators and weapons controllers. Excellent. The aircraft itself is based, uh, you said before, it's based on the 707. Um, obviously heavily modified. But was this uh, originally a passenger aircraft many years ago? No, these were built specifically as AWACS. Um, it is, yeah, it's modelled on the 707-320 series yeah. um, with upgraded engines. So we have the CFM-56 producing 24,000 pounds of uh, thrust on each engine. Um, about, so about four times more powerful than the original engine on the on the 707 way back when in the 1950s these were um uh, built last ones off the 707 production line in the early 1990s between 91 and 93 uh, and initially we had seven made alongside seven that were made for the french wow now one of the, the most obvious differences obviously is that huge big saucepan sort of looking thing you have up on top uh, tell us a little bit about that and uh, what that does yeah sure so te- the technical term for it is the rotodome um, it spins it must be turning all the time the engines are running uh, otherwise it damage the bearing on it uh, the reason why it turns is so that you can point your radar and your IFF in all directions of course now it turns at idle at quarter RPM and uh, at full speed when we're doing a mission and it's in transmit it'll be spinning at about 6 RPM typically so you get a refresh rate on your radar picture every 10 seconds effectively Um, it's 30 feet across 6 feet deep it weighs about 6 tons and it certainly does make a difference to the handling characteristics that's that's one of the questions I always like to sing to you what's that doing to the aircraft? allegedly it's aerodynamically neutral so effectively it produces its own lift Um, the black parts of the rotor dome as you see them are purely for aerodynamic purposes they don't have any uh, other function Uh, all of the actual electronic associated with the radar and the IFF or on the white section that you see in the middle of it. Um, now, how, what does it actually do in terms of flying? Well, you'll see inside the aircraft a lot of the kit is at the front because obviously it's fairly heavy um, and it's right located at the aft of the aeroplane. In terms of handling for the pilot, well, it's a very heavy aeroplane to fly anyway, the 707, because it's all it's fly-by-wire in the sense that there are actually wires uh-huh. connecting all of the control surfaces. The only hydraulically powered surface we have is the rudder, um, so every Everything else is very much you move a control tab, which moves the, the, you know, the, the surface, and then hence the aircraft responds. So um, the two strakes that hold the rotor dome up add a lot of stability to the mm-hmm. aircraft in roll. So you have to put in a significant input before the aircraft starts to roll. However, once it does, you've then got this kind of pendulum six-ton effect dragging the aircraft over. So it likes to then continue rolling. Um, so it makes life quite interesting. Uh-huh. Hard work behind the tanker, anyway. <laughs> 
<laughs> so how, how did it all start for you then your uh, your career in the Royal Air Force? Yeah, um, I joined up in October 2001. Um, I'd had an interest in flying for a very long time, did a PPL straight after my A-levels. And um, yeah, and then uh, through training, came to the, the E3 um, after my multi-engine training on the jet stream. And then uh, did two years as a co-pilot, two and a half as a captain. Uh, since then, I've done everything from flying experimental UAVs in Afghanistan to instructing uh, advanced flying training on the King Air at RAF Cranwell, uh, now back as the Flight Commander Ops. Right, so you're coming towards the end of your commission? Uh, no, in theory, as a squadron leader, I'm signed on to age 60. Oh, right. Uh, Are you going to stay till 60? Well, we'll, we'll see. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, can I ask you, I mean, obviously the missions you're doing are fairly long duration, I would imagine. Yeah, um, so currently the centre is employed on operations based out of Akrotiri, um, and we fly dual missions, so uh, one day we'll be flying on Opshader over Iraq, and then the next day we'll be flying on NATO air policing missions, uh, looking out at what's going on over the Black Sea and Crimea. Sure, and so in terms of flight length, what's a typical uh, flight for you guys? Yeah, um, anywhere between 8 and 12 hours, depending on what mission we're flying. Um, I know the guys the other day did 15 hours, 20 airborne, so that was a, good, a fairly long one. Right, and you flying with uh, augmented crews? Do you have a, a you know spare spare crew to take over and share the workload? No, typically a 12-hour mission is a single crew. Okay, and um, as a military operator, do you have airline-style uh, flight time limitations? Uh, or do you yeah, just do what you have to do no, to get no, the mission done? No, no, no. There's very clearly defined hours, limits, uh, both... Um, uh, as a 15, 14 day, 15 day limit, uh, then there's a 30 day limit, and there's even a yearly limit as well. So, uh-huh. very akin to uh, to what the airlines okay. operate to as well. And do you have any issues with, with fatigue? Yeah, uh, fatigue is a big player, and um, actually, we have a fatigue tracking matrix to try and analyse some of the trends. Um, you know, and it's not just associated with the length of the missions. Um, and of course we have crew duty time regulations mm-hmm. as well that we have to adhere to to try and monitor the fatigue and make sure it's not uh, becoming a problem but it's also you know everything from accommodation uh, kind of work stress etc through life that we try to take an active management of mm-hmm. yeah excellent the, the aircraft when you're on those those missions like eight hour the longer missions and stuff um obviously you know being a sort of passenger aircraft style of aircraft that this is do you still have all the same amenities on board that you would do i.e sort of uh, cooking and uh, uh, facilities to sort of to, to eat and drink on board is oh, there we, somewhere you can go for a pier yeah. is what he's asked yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well there is a urinal at the front just behind the flight deck but we don't use that and that's uh, I mean, it still functions but it's never used um, at the back there is a, a full toilet that functions um, and uh, we also have yeah a, a galley area and crew rest area we have six bunk beds um, and two ovens and a very big fridge so yeah eating's a very big part of uh, the multi-engine world and the egg works in particular but is the food good well, I quite like my top of climb bacon and halloumi rolls on the way into Iraq, yeah. That is <laughs> wow, what, that's good. I like uh, <laughs> that's good. local dishes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, no, in-flight catering's usually pretty good. Uh, we can't complain. Awesome. Excellent. So what's the, uh, the future then uh, hold for you uh, within the Royal Air Force? Are you going to carry on flying or, or doing, doing the job you do now? Uh, typically, as a squadron leader, you'll do uh, a staff tour and a command tour. So this is my command tour. 
um, where I have over 25 guys working for me and I you know, monitor their careers and uh, write their annual appraisals as, as well as dealing with all the issues associated with uh, the operation of this aircraft. Um, for a staff tour, yeah, uh, possibly sort of PJHQ, MOD, maybe over to NATO and then see what the future holds beyond that. Uh, obviously, I think most people would like to have their own squadron at some point in time. So. Mm. Oh. Have you got any more questions, Pip, while we're here? No, I don't want to take up too much of your time. I mean, that's fantastic. We're uh... <laughs> Yeah, Kev, thanks ever so much for letting us on board. You know, it's, uh, it's made our day, really, isn't it, really? Getting on board here. <laughs> well, I hope you guys have a great um, rest of air show here at Riyadh. And uh, it's really been really a pleasure having you on board the aircraft. Thank you very much. The yeah. aircraft's not displaying here at uh, a flying display, is it? It's just a static. Yeah, it's just a static here. Um, and, uh, yeah, after this, we'll be out of here on, on Monday and back to Coningsby. Back to Coningsby. Okay, another long-range trip for you. No, uh, Monday's sortie is actually going to be a pilot continuation training sortie. I have my instrument rating test to get done as well uh, on the way back. Right. Oh, just did mine yesterday. (laughs) Horrible. We do it every six months. How often do you have to do recurrent training? Well, an instrument rating is once a year. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, many airlines like ours, we, we do recurrent training every six months. Yeah. Anyhow, uh, an LPC and an OPC. But I suppose every trip for you is a training trip, in essence. In a way, yeah. I, I mean, we're in the simulator once a month as well. Uh-huh. Uh, we have what we call BCRs, basic currency requirements. Um, so there's a whole bunch of stats that we're forever chasing. Um, the, the, perhaps the most limiting one is that we have to make a landing every 30 days. Uh-huh. Super. Excellent. Well, Kev, thanks ever so much for coming on the Plane Talking UK podcast and the Plane Safety podcast. <laughs> and uh, we hope you enjoy the rest of your uh, your day at Riyadh. That's great. Hope you guys have a good time. Okay, so we're back again at Riyadh 2015. And uh, we are on the flight line here and we're standing next to Flight Lieutenant James Wallace. James Wallace, uh, welcome on to the Plane Talking UK podcast and the Plane Safety podcast. Pip's with me here. Uh, so a bit about the uh, helicopter you fly. Okay, um, I'm Lieutenant James Wallace, not a flight lieutenant, lieutenant. that's Sorry. the RAF. Oops. Um, yeah, my name's Lieutenant James Wallace. Uh, I've been in the Navy about 19 years uh, and I've been lucky enough to be given a chance to fly this fine machine. Uh, seeking Mark IV, it's a commando helicopter's um, organic sort of uh, unit and we fly around uh, th- uh, three commando brigades uh, around the battlefield uh, and such. So this is all about troop transport, isn't it? It's troop transport, yeah. We do it in a tactical environment, etc. And uh, we've also got secondary roles, like uh, some small uh, search and rescue operations with with our winch. Uh, we can fast rope and uh, we can do a number of things, but uh, it's mainly uh, troop transport. Okay. Now, I, I must admit, I thought the UK military had retired the Sea Kings, but uh, obviously not. Uh, not yet. Uh, next year, uh, it's going to be a sad day, um, 1st of April 2016. Unfortunately, the uh, Sea King will cease to exist, uh, especially in the... Uh, the Mark IV environment. Um, uh, yeah, it's going to be a sad day next year. However, we have got the replacement, which is in service and fully uh, operated uh, and controlled by the Royal Navy now, which is the Merlin Mark III helicopter. Um, uh, that will be... Um, uh, we've got one squadron in Yeovilton at the moment. There's an 846 Naval Air Squadron. And 845 has just stood up in Benson as we're taking up uh, our remaining uh, aircrew and converting them to that now. It's a very fine machine. Uh, it's an adequate replacement for the Sea King. It's a little bit faster because the poor Sea King hasn't got the legs. But uh, uh, the Merlin's very, very capable. And I've spoken to some of my colleagues and they've uh, reliably informed me that it is uh, an exceptional bit of kit. Excellent. So... Uh 
you did you fly in uh, Friday or yesterday, Friday for uh, for the show, or have you been here sort of during the week? We, we flew in on Thursday. Uh, we arrived from Yeovilton, which is about a half an hour's flight away. Uh, um, but uh, unfortunately, we're not doing a display here th- uh, this year. Uh, it's just a static display. However, uh, we had a, um, the Sea King has had a, a very poignant place in the uh, Yeovilton Air Day uh, as part of the Jungle Assault, which is the uh, uh, the climax to the air day uh, celebrations and it's pretty impressive it's walls of fire and lots of aircraft up to about 13 aircrafts uh, all doing dynamic manoeuvres right in front of the cloud with associated pyrotechnics and troops with their uh, blank firing um, weapons as well it's a pretty spectacular sight I'm guessing a lot of your military work is uh, at very low level correct? Uh, how do you mean sorry? Uh, operating at low level so oh, yes, sub, yes sub low level yeah, yeah what sort of kit have you got on, on board the aircraft to stop you bumping into things as apart from your the mark 1 eyeball yeah, mark 1 eyeball <laughs> is, is is probably the one and uh, and uh, a very um, diligent aircraft commander saying left a bit right a bit but um, yeah it's all operated at low level uh, we do it there for tactical reasons we're harder to shoot down essentially uh, but it's all done at low level and um, if anybody doesn't know uh, flying at low level is is one of the favorite well, one of my favorite things to do in an aircraft it's uh, it, it's it's quite nice flying quite close to the ground sure do you have um, TCAT or EGPWS anything like that no we don't we have uh, we have rad out but we have a very sort of um, regimented pl- uh, flight planning uh, we utilize a system called CADS uh, I forget the uh, um, the breakdown of it of what the acronym's for uh, but, but essentially it's uh, a large database online that uh, pilots of a flying low level uh, below 2,000 feet at day and night will put in their route uh, which enables other squadrons to check that before they go flying and it will show up if you've got any um uh, conflictions with other aircraft at which point it will then prompt you to contact them so you can deconflict with each other uh, it's something that's been brought in especially with the new MAA sort of construct uh, that the military are, are fully adopting now uh, and so it, it doesn't improve uh, there's the um, military air I uh, said scrub that scrub around that bit <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah. um, I can't remember this military um, aviation authority there we go oh, I, I did know it I did know it um, I sp- uh, the uh, military have uh, uh, adopted the uh, the rule um, these rules that are brought in by the MAA is a lot more stringent and comes in line with um, civilian law and uh, and and safety is is paramount during aviation as you as you could probably imagine um, everything we do is scrutinized uh, we're regularly assessed and um, we have uh, reporting procedures so anything happens in the aircraft that we weren't expecting we can report it it gets shared with everyone so uh, the main message of it is, is um, everyone can learn by somebody else's mistake so they don't repeat it yeah it sounds very similar to the the, the big buzzword these days sms safety management system that we have in the airlines you there's obviously yeah. a military version of that yeah very similar to that yeah we um uh, never a day goes by where the hierarchy of the squadron isn't shouting safety, safety, safety at us. And, uh, and it's, it's one of the um, biggest parts of aviation now, uh, spe- specifically in the military. Yeah. Uh, so what are some of the particular challenges from a safety point of view that you have to deal with as a, as a commander here? Uh, safety, um, it's not... Well, we just operate the aircraft in, in the usual way we do. I think one of the main concerns is uh, obviously uh, mid-air collision is a, is a big one and I spoke about CADS and it's a great system uh, that we, we utilise on a, on a daily basis uh, for each of the flights. 
Um, we have regular flight safety meetings uh, on the squadron, um, we have at least two per term, uh, where we all sit down as a squadron. Uh, we look at some case studies of incidents that have uh, arisen in the past, and we all talk about it and break it down. And it's all to, where, uh, to raise that awareness of flight uh, of air safety uh, within uh, joint helicopter commands. So uh, the helicopter you fly then. Um What's she like to ha- what's she handle like? Uh, what's she like to fly? She's she's a cumbersome beast. Um, she's not as twitchy as I say a Lynx helicopter. Um, she's very stable in the hover. Um, it's, it's an absolute pleasure to fly. I, I love flying, especially uh, as we mentioned earlier at low level and as well as the uh, the, the jungly assault uh, back at Air Day. Um, yeah, she's a exceptional beast. And, and and like I said, next year in April two, uh, 2016 when she goes, it's going to be a sad day. It is. Are you going to move on to uh, to the new the new helicopter then? Myself, uh, eventually, most likely go to Merlin. Um, I think I'm earmarked, so hopefully, if my point has anything to do with it, I'm uh, looking to become a qualified helicopter instructor and, and get on a course next year uh, and return and, and hopefully teach on the Merlin. So. Awesome. Do you, or when we had carriers, were you were you operating these off carriers, or are you purely a land-based? Uh, uh, no, yeah. Uh, the uh, because we uh, specialise in the maritime environment, um, ut- utilising the Royal Marines in a sort of littoral um, warfare scenario. We are all capable of embarking on a ship. Uh, the rotor head will fold um, using a. Uh, it's a uh, rotor head folding system, so it's all automatic, and the tail pylon can be manjolically uh, folded also, uh, and that's to reduce its footprint on board so it can fit in the small hangars on uh, a ship such as HMS Ocean. Yeah, I've seen that. Send the pictures of that on, uh, online, HMS Ocean. So uh, a bit about yourself then, your, your uh, career. So how, how, where did everything start for you? Was it a young age of uh, passion for flying, aviation? Uh, my career had uh, two, uh, two phases to it. Um, back in 1999, when I was 17 and a half years, uh, years of age, I looked at an advert in the paper. It says, come and join the Royal Navy. Uh, and I joined the Royal Navy as an operating mechanic. So um, I was an AB. I joined, went to sea, uh, and experienced life in the warfare, off, uh, warfare room uh, as an electronic warfare specialist. Um, I spent eight years. I reached the rank of leading hand. Uh, I got to the point where if I wanted to go for pilot, now was the time. I'd always looked at uh, aviation with a, with a keen eye, spe- specifically flying jets and uh, uh, and such like, and uh, managed to go through all the exams. Um, and the opportunities that were given to me by the Navy allowed me to uh, to eventually become a pilot. Um, I was uh, went through training and, uh, and I streamed helicopters. Uh, and then my first flight on a helicopter, I was hooked. It was a magic carpet ride in the hover, and and, and that was it. So have you ever been winched off one of these at all? Um, I've been winched from another helicopter when I was when I was an OM. Um, I uh, played the part of the dope on the rope, they call it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, they've been hoisted off a, off a, a Royal Navy frigate, frigate out at sea, uh, which is an interesting experience. Quite good uh, and enjoyable, definitely. Just Excellent. To, uh, before we finish up, then I know you're not displaying the aircraft here today in a flying display, but have you done display flying before? Uh, I've done, yeah, as I said, I did the uh, the Air Day uh, 2015 uh, this year. I was flying um, in the Sea King. Uh, there was four Sea Kings, four Merlins, two uh, Wildcats. Uh, we had two Apaches who are here with us uh, this weekend also, uh, and uh, two Lynxes as well, Lynx Mark 8. Uh, it was a big, spectacular affair with pyrotechnics, as I, as I mentioned, but um, that's the second time I've done it. I did it last year and I did it this year, and it's, a, it's an absolute privilege to, to, to be able to fly in it, that's for sure. That's for sure. Are, are there any special considerations? Considerations you need to think about for display flying, any you know, from a safety point of view. From a safety point of view, and as you can imagine, it's, it's, it's a dynamic uh, scenario with lots of helicopters, <clears throat> so safety is is well up there. Uh, we spend a week rehearsing um, uh, after. Um, 
rehearsal after rehearsal after rehearsal until we get it perfect. And uh, we're always constantly improving the, uh, the, the display routine uh, to um, highlight any, any uh, scenario where we get a little bit too close to another helicopter and we'll, we'll adjust. Um, it's all rigorous planning, so there's a long planning cycle. Um, so about three hours beforehand, you just sat down with all the other pilots talking through the, uh, the display, uh, by, uh, manoeuvre by manoeuvre. Uh, you will then get out to your aircraft, you'll perform the display and then we'll have a debrief afterwards. So uh, we'll raise any concerns and the first topic you mention in a debrief is any flight safety um, implications. Uh, and if anything happened in the flight, it's, risen, it's uh, raised straight away uh, and we deal with it and adjust um, to avoid the same situation. So Pip, one of the questions you always uh, ask uh, our uh, chaps when we're interviewing is, given the choice or chance to fly any aircraft any aircraft at all what would it be well that's a good question so many i've got to pick one <laughs> just just one gone i think uh, out of the aircraft i've seen here today uh, it would it's got to be the hind it's uh, an amazing aircraft and uh, i'm just amazed by just how analog it is and, <laughs> and what it's like inside I, I had the privilege of talking to the crew and uh, i spoke to them yesterday they let me sit inside it so i was like a little bit of a kid with a kid with a kid in a sweet shop a little bit so now, I, I think the hind is the, the living proof of the uh, old adage that helicopters don't fly, they're just so ugly, the earth repels them. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that one before, Pip. Yeah. <laughs> right, well, thanks ever so much for your time and joining us on the show. And uh, we hope you'll, uh, well, hope you'll uh, download and, and listen to yourself, hopefully, on, uh, on the show. So uh, on the Plane Talking UK podcast and also the Plane Safety podcast with Pip as well. So thanks again for your time today. It's been great talking to you. I'm sure the listeners are going to love listening to your interview. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. Oh, no, go on then, Pip. to ask the military guys You can't go through the military without getting some sort of nickname. Yours is... Ah, yes. It's a short and boring story. Um... It's hardly worth mentioning, but when I was uh, allowed to go on, on ship, my uh, now my now best friend uh, was my Killick, and he was a, a Southampton supporter. My second name was Wallace, and at the time, Rod Wallace was playing for it. And so he called me Rod Rodders, and it stuck. There we go. I told you it was short, and I told you it was boring. Normally, the Navy guys, you called Flipper, or... I think I've met, like, ten Flippers in my life. Yeah, they're all called Flipper. Anyway, well, listen, thank you very much indeed for joining us. We uh, appreciate that hugely. Yes, thank you. Thanks again. Take care. So there we go then, our third instalment then there of yeah. uh, our interviews from the Royal International Air Tattoo 2015. A um, couple of great interviews there mm. we got there. Um, and we've got more to come. Certainly have, yeah. I think we've got at least another two episodes yeah, worth another, at least of, another two, yeah. um, of interviews from yeah. Riyadh. Absolutely. Um, but we hope to have Pip back in the saddle yeah. again Can't wait. Uh, next I've week. missed him. Yeah, we have missed him, haven't yeah. we? Yeah. Uh, perhaps Pip might be able to join us for the live show. Ooh, if yes, that'd if be that's not challenge. too much of a technical challenge. Okay, I'll, I'll start <laughs> scratching my head now. That'll be fine. I'll work it out. It'll be fine. We'll work it out, It'll yeah. be fine, yeah. 
Um, so that's it then. So uh, that's that is pretty much uh, all the all the news and bits and pieces we've got. So we've got yeah. some shout outs actually. To Absolutely, make. yeah, yeah. Um, Shall I go first? I've got. Oh, some, you go I've first. I've got some then. lined up. While you go first. Uh, personal, a personal message uh, for one of my friends. Actually, this is a purely uh, purely selfish uh, uh, shout out here. Uh, uh, well, I'll just call him Nangle because that's what we always call him. He's he's a very shy person, so it's uh, I've been desperately trying to persuade him to actually join us because he uh, he would fit our brief if you like for interviews very very well but uh, I'm delighted to say that uh, he he sent a message or put a, a message on Facebook should we say that saying after finishing flight training over six years ago I finally have a flying job he starts his uh, type rating in November with a, a budget airline and he really cannot wait so congratulations to Nangle he's about to start doing it for real which wow. is, which is li- literally living the dream um, well, living awesome. your living your living dream. My dream, yeah, absolutely, yeah, my dream, yeah. absolutely, uh, and also uh, to another friend of mine, uh, Stuart. Uh, Stuart Black, uh, he works for. Um, uh, shall we say he does some servicing on some aircraft that are based out of Norwich? Uh, shall we okay. say he says uh, not wanting to because uh, I don't know whether I'm allowed to say the name or not. But uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, hello to uh, to Stuart. I, I know he's listening. Oh, so we've got um, we've got a, a few messages from uh, the post I put on Facebook today about. Uh, the getting ready to record the yeah. show and uh, Adrian Meacham. Um, hello to you, Adrian. So Adrian's asked me um, about uh, my PPL, how far I'm getting and stuff like that. Cause he is in the middle of his PPL. Oh, he's wow. uh, 20 hours in and he's just started uh, the navigation part of his PPL, <laughs> which is where I am. Right. At the moment. Okay. Um, he just says about my current progress and stuff. Um, yeah. now, w- w- did you have an, uh, is it this Thursday or have you just had that? When did you have your last lesson? Uh, my instructor's on holiday. So I've got, uh, uh, lesson book next uh, two days next week. I've got Friday and oh, Saturday right, next cool. week. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so well, how am I getting on? Well, so I'm at, I'm at the stage where I'm starting my navigation, yeah, air navigation stuff. Um, and Adrian's asked um, how 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 I feel, you know, and it, it is blooming hard. I I, I, I'm I not going to lie. Right. Okay. Uh, it's, it's. I mean, so I it's all right for me. I just plumbing my yeah, sat nav and away yeah. I go. You know, <laughs> uh, it's it is difficult. I mean, I, 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 you know, I left college in 1994, right? And my brain shut down then. Oh, right. Um, so, <laughs> it, I mean, for me, for me, this the whole PPL experience for me. You know, learning flying is is easy. Yeah. I, I think it's easy. You know, controlling an aircraft right. and, and if, doing if you doing the so. motion yes. yeah. is easy, but. Um, the air navigation bit is very involved. Really? Um, I've, I've purchased myself a whiz wheel, which Adrian, oh. Adrian will know what that right. is. Okay. And uh, protractor and the navigation ruler mm. and stuff. And um, yeah, I'm now sort of kickstarting that part of the course. So yeah. hopefully I can whiz through that quickly. And obviously from then, my first, what would be my first cross country <gasps> um, solo, which will be, you know, on then. Uh, Adrian's also said about uh, how I, obviously about the ATC communications being, yeah. it well, <laughs> for me, for me, I'll tell you what, Adrian, for me, from going back to being a youngster and going to Heathrow Airport as, as often as I did do as a child and listening to um, the conversations on, a, on an airband radio between ATC and the pilots, I kind of, you kind of just know, you instinctively kind of get that, the gift of the gab, is right. what to say. Um, so now me flying uh, at uh, Ella Airport near Beckles in, in, yeah. uh, on the East Coast here, it, it's, you know, we have, it's, it's a, a control room with a, obviously a radio we get in contact with and it's, it just comes natural to me for what to say. So for me, <laughs> for me talking on the radio is, is, I mean, it's as easy as we do now. It's, yeah. it's very easy for me. So second nature almost. Yeah, so um, so thanks for your uh, thanks for your message, Adrian, um, on Facebook. Thanks for that. 
Also, uh, hello to Ray Davis, and uh, thanks for your message on there. Hope you're enjoying the show, Ray. And uh, shame we didn't uh, we missed uh, Ray at uh, Riyadh this oh, year. Um, yeah, Ray, we were supposed to meet with Ray. We didn't get a oh. chance to meet him. So hopefully, Ray will come to Farnborough next year. Yeah, because um, we're hoping. Fingers crossed, we're going to do a <laughs> massive, massive, massive meetup at Farnborough next year. Um, we're tr- we're going to try. It's going to be a logistical nightmare, I think. I can imagine. Yeah. We're going to try and get um, you know the guys from the Airplane Geeks and some of the guys um, from um, uh, possibly PCDU, Stephen yeah. Grant, and also the airline pilot guy. I think Jeff. Um, and Miami Rick uh, and possibly Dr. Steph, hopefully, um, will come across to the UK um, to, to come to Farnborough next year, which will wow. be absolutely amazing. Yeah. Um, so hello to you. Also, hello to Dave Anders as well. Um, he's uh, He lives, uh, I think he lives in Portsmouth, um, which is down, down south here in the UK, our uh, naval area at Portsmouth. So hello to you, Dave. And also hello to Craig Pysick. I hope I've pronounced your um, surname right there, Craig Pysick. Hello to you. <laughs> um, we've also had a message as well um, on Facebook from Matty Fab. And uh, Matt, uh, Matt's uh, enjoying the show. And, uh, um, well, we're glad you're enjoying the show, Matty Fab. So hello mm. to you. Uh, we've also had a couple of emails. We've had an email from uh, Captain Al. And um, Captain Al, uh, not quite sure what Captain Al does for a job, but uh, he, he says he might have some, some interesting bits of info for us, uh, um, for the show. So I'm going to get in contact with Captain Al do. Yeah, do. and find out. Um, Definitely. Find out what he does. Yes. Uh, yes. Find, out, um, find out ASAP. We've also had a quite long message um, uh, via email from Stephen Marciano. And uh, Stephen's our friend uh, from across the pond um, over in the States. It's definitely across the pond, is it? It, It's across the pond. Yeah, no, okay. It's across the pond. I don't don't want more emails about... uh, (laughs) I know. I know, I know. Um, But no, but Steve commented on uh, the story we had about the window falling out on uh, Ryanair. and, uh, well, it's quite a long email, but uh, mm. um, uh, Steve has put on here that he was on a Cessna 172 when he was about 12 years old. Oh, wow. And the pilot had a broken right arm. Oh, what? And uh, when we took or when they took off uh, for the first time, he banked to the right and uh, his um, Steve's door opened. What? Uh, he was belted in, so yeah. uh, there wasn't no danger there. Um, but uh, I think it kind of affected his mum's sanity. He yeah, was I with him at the time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Guaranteed to frighten, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and he, uh, Stephen's also put on here on the uh, or the letter that, or the email to us that the uh, he think Ryanair should start paying us. <laughs> <laughs> there's uh, no. I can't see that happening. It, it, Stephen puts here there's, there is a saying that there's no such thing as bad publicity. So that's, that's true there. Mm, well, that is true. Yes. Uh, he's also put on the uh, letter that uh, that obviously um, that I that I would I. I said in a previous episode that I'd love to live on an approach to an airport. And uh, he was lucky enough to grow up on the final approach to JFK in New York. Oh, wow. Uh, and probably explains why he has planes on the brain. <laughs> yeah. um, his wife is also a good photographer and yeah. has taken quite a lot of good photos. Um, but he's not on Facebook. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, 
so he's yeah and also at the end i'd just like to point out as well that um steve is also um well when he sent this the email he was 12 days from retirement oh, cool. after 25 years uh with the nypd wow um so uh congratulations on that we haven't got a round of applause but me and, no. me and matt will clap anyway yeah congratulations well done 25 years all right That's fantastic so uh, well done for that, Steve. And uh, yeah, thank you ever so much for uh, sending us your feedback, yeah, Stephen. Um, so yeah, keep, keep hope you enjoy the show and keep listening. Yeah. Indeed. Uh, we want all your feedback, whether it be good or bad. We'd like to hear from our listeners. And to do that, uh, to get into contact, uh, contact via the website, www.plaintalkinguk.com. That's plain spelt P-L-A-N-E. Uh, on Facebook, it is facebook.com forward slash plain talking UK. And on Twitter, it's twitter.com forward slash plain talking UK or at plain talking UK. Well done, thank you. Well, thanks for staying with us, Matt. You're, I know we, you're full of cold, and, <laughs> it's all right, and it's um, you've got it now. I don't know, I know what you'll get. <laughs> I'll, I'll be ill next week. Yeah. So thanks for joining us then for episode number seventy-two. Don't forget yeah. to join us next week for episode seventy-three of the show, which is going to be which, live. Which is going to be hopefully, yes. fingers crossed, will be yes. live. It's going to be live from the conservatory studio yes. this time. Yeah. Yes, yes, and uh, yeah, we're going to obviously promote that on the uh, on the pages, mm, so absolutely. we can get uh, as many yeah. of you. Uh, uh, commenting while we're yep. recording the show. So it live. will be live on YouTube, okay? And we'll make sure that we post the, the links, links on, yeah. on Facebook. But it's basically, uh, if my memory serves, it is youtube.com forward slash plain talking UK. All right. So that's where you will find the live video. I will have that up and running in the next day or so. So you'll be able to sort of bookmark the, uh, the feed and that will start Yay. at 1030, uh, <laughs> British summertime here in the UK yes. on Sunday morning. So that will be Sunday the, um, what is next Sunday's date? Hang on. I did say earlier. You I did, didn't forgot. you? It's so it'll Sunday, be Sunday the, the 16th. 16th. Yeah. yeah. So 10.30 a.m. Sunday the 16th of August. Oh, and I will just point out. <laughs> Uh-oh. It's my birthday on the 12th of August. Is it? Oh, yes. right. Well, you've already had your present. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> just you in the studio is fine enough. No, thank you very much. Yes, yes. Yeah, Matt uh, got me a rather nice T-shirt. Um <laughs> Which which I'm going to wear tomorrow evening uh, while he's when I'm working. DJing. DJing. It's a it's a DJ esque T shirt. It is. Um, it's a, it's quite funny. Yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah, I'll get yeah. a picture and put it on the Facebook. <laughs> um, so that is it. Then that's what we're going to bring episode seventy two to a close of the Plain Talking UK podcast. Cool. Thank you for listening, and uh, don't forget to please, please, please send us your feedback. Yeah, do do do. We want lots of letters. So from me, Carlos, then it's a evening. And it's the end of the week. Thank God it's Friday. (laughs) Goodbye. Uh, And for me, it's not the end of the week for me just yet. I've got one more day of work to go. I'm off to Cambridge tomorrow. Um, But, uh, oh, I must just, before we finish, I must just quickly say a huge thank you to Captain Jeff over at the Animal (gasps) Pilot Guy Show. He made my day this week because he, he sent me. Yeah, a if you t-shirt, if you follow us on Facebook, you'll, you'll have seen the, the the cap and everything. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, the t-shirt and the pint glass. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Thanks yeah. for that, Captain Jeff. If you're listening, um, well, it, it kind of it kind of yeah. It yeah. Made he me hasn't lot, shut up about it, it since. It made me a lot more happy than yeah, I was. Yeah, because he was doing his favourite shift at work. I know. Less about that, the better. But anyway, so from me, Carlos, it's goodbye, and and from Matt, it is also goodbye. Bye. Goodbye.